Well, hello, all you beautiful chicks and dudes of all sorts. This is Suave Rob Suarez, the bitchin' double X daredevil star of Suave Rob's amazing ass saving association, here with another ass saving tip, totally free from me to you, to help you save your ass so you can live to sit another day. Now, back in the day, when dudes were dudes, this one dude, Benchmark Bob, buddy of mine, he had this little accident. He tried frying up an egg when he was totally hammered, so he washed a pan, then didn't dry it, then put a shitload of butter in it, then turned on the heat. Well, when you do that, chicks and dudes, the water makes the oil go splatso all over your own personal face. And good old Benchmark got his bench marked, if you know what I mean. Like, when he took his apron away from his face, it looked less like a face and more like someone had stepped on a pepperoni pizza. I don't like to think about it. But that goes to show you, you know? Always dry your pans before you put oil in them, man. Especially if you're frying an egg. Want to know where I learned all this gonzo shit? I got it all done up pretty for you in Suave Rob's Double X Daring Do, the first book of Suave Rob's Awesome Adventures by J. Daniel Sawyer. Come share the awesomeness with me, my brothers, because you never know. The ass you save may be your own. Welcome to the Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, and I am your guide in this journey of coping with the creative life and all the bumps along the way. We explore the trials and travails of productivity, discipline, art, and finances in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1083. Today, Dawn asks... How do you manage things like vacations, breaks, etc. as a freelancer? Should you give yourself work hours and such? Should you take vacations? How do you manage your workload in mind so that such things work? Okay, I'm actually going to need some help on this one. Uh, first of all, what's a vacation? <laughs> I've heard this word before, but I don't know if I have any experience with it. <laughs> This is when uh, a vacation is when you take time off from whatever it is you normally do to make a living. And yeah, I don't do some, that. <laughs> some people go away for their vacations. I go and, away for business trips. <laughs> and some people stay home and watch TV and knit or you yeah, know, that's do not a vacation. Relaxing. That's just avoiding work. <laughs> So, yes, you should absolutely take a vacation. Don't listen to Dan on this. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying you shouldn't take a vacation. I just tend to fold my relaxing into my daily rhythm. And uh, I, for the last decade and a half, have lived a life where I can take a day off here and there, but there's not really a way for me to get away from the tasks I need to do for more than a day or two at a time because Mm -hmm. they require physical presence most of the time. Um, but it's okay because almost everything I do is play to me. Yeah. So it's like life is an ongoing vacation that occasionally generates enough money that I can keep eating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it's not doing that, it's generating like shelters that keep the rain off and stuff like that. So. Yes. You should give yourself breaks. You, you, you should not work yourself, uh, into the grave and taking breaks allows you more experiences and novelty that allow you to have something interesting to work from. 
Yeah, and a lot of this is going to depend on how you're defining it. Because as a freelancer, especially as a creative, um, what is work is not as well delineated as when someone is paying you to rent your body to them for a specified amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether you're a prostitute or an accountant, that's what you're doing. And when you're a creative, you're... If you're not actually writing or painting or or making a song or something, then the experiences that you fill your life with fill the creative stew. And so in if you're looking at it like a job, yes, you definitely should take breaks, but you're not taking breaks to get away from being a creative. You're getting you're taking breaks in order to become a better creative. Mm. Um, so from one point of view, yes, it looks like a vacation. It looks like a break from another point of view. You are taking that time, hopefully to become better at what you do in all the ways that are not the technical skill level, the practice at the actual craft, reading books, having relationships, having adventures, having experiences that take you outside of your bubble. Anything that will make your life richer will make your work richer. Absolutely. And it's very, very important to do that. It is very, very common for creatives at all stages, but it's especially bad with younger creatives, meaning those at the beginning of their creative career. To feel like I have something to say, and so I'm going to say the thing, and not take a moment and realize that because most people are most people, that the bulk of your experiences and your worldview and everything else are going to be nearly identical to your prospective audience. And while that can make your voice seem familiar to them and companionable, it can also make it dull. Because you're not, if you're not sufficiently differentiated, you're not going to have the perspective that makes your work worth sticking with over and above any of the other billions of hours of entertainment that are on offer anywhere mm-hmm. else. So um, personal development in a way that differentiates your perspective is really, really important for the creative life, which is why I hate to call it a vacation. Um, breaks, on the other hand, very important. You can and will sometimes exhaust yourself and maybe even burn yourself out from the wrong combination of deadline pressure and feelings of obligation and personal stress and other things like that. Whether it's over the course of your workday so that you're resting your hands and stretching your arms out and doing different activities so your body doesn't go go on you early. I mean, I've literally known people who've had repetitive stress injury uh, surgeries on their neck because they write on a laptop in their lap and their whole, you know, hours and hours a day, they're bent over and they develop what starts as a crick in the neck and then it becomes the equivalent of carpal tunnel syndrome and then they can't even walk properly Mm -hmm. because the neck pain is so constant and so bad and massage and uh, hot tubs and other treatments like that won't do the trick. They actually have to have a surgeon go in there and hollow out the bones to relieve the tension, Mm -hmm. the the rubbing on the tendons in their neck. And that, I mean, it's radical enough when you do that to your hand. When you do that to your neck, there's a serious risk of paralysis. And so they actually don't do that until you're already at risk of paralysis. Anyway, I know of two New York Times bestselling authors who have had that surgery and told me horror stories about having to recover from it. So... Take care of your body, take care of your health, take care of your um, social health. 
and yeah, enrich your mind and your soul at every chance. Look yeah. to think things that one of the really great heuristics is, uh, which is rule of thumb. One of the great rules of thumb is to go in the direction of that which makes you moderately uncomfortable. A lot of people don't have, if you, if you pass a certain threshold of discomfort, for most people that actually kind of shuts them down creatively because it's a threat. And we respond, we respond to threats by closing our minds and getting defensive. But mild to moderate discomfort, especially intellectually and emotionally, well, physically it's really good because it means you're exercising uh, things that you don't normally exercise. But um, emotionally and intellectually, mild to moderate discomfort is the, that's the area where you're stretching your worldview and you're developing your perspective. And so you want to sort of tack into the wind a little bit. Not so much that you shut down and feel defensive or that you have a crisis, but enough that a year from a year from the time you start doing that, you look back and you think, I used to think this, but now I know better. And, and now I've got more interesting ideas to consider. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good to do. As far as managing your mind and your workload... Um, the hardest part of going freelancer for everybody I have ever talked to, myself included, is learning to make your own structure. Almost always the first year or two are a disaster. Because unlike our ancestors who did, who lived lives full of very complex things that had to be done on a very irregular basis, like hunting and farming and um, smithing and crafting, our lives are regimented from the time that we enter preschool. We're put in prisons that are that hew to a clock, and we have structures imposed on us at home, at school, at work, at church. Everywhere you go, there is a structure generated and imposed by someone else, or even worse, by committees of someone else's. And one of the things that does is it trains you out of the ability to make your own structure. Now, usually, up until a generation or two ago, that gap was filled by free play, by kids playing with each other without adult supervision, having to generate their own games um, on the fly, figuring out ways to not be bored and to have fun. But with... Not, and no one of the things I'm about to complain about are bad by themselves. It's the, it's the mass of all of them together that crowds all that out. Uh, board games, video games, um, social media, organized sports. All of these things, they, they have the feeling of play, but they don't have the nutrition of play. They're kind of like the sugary cereal of of uh, mental development. They give you enough of the pleasure that you don't go looking for anything nutritious, but they give you very little of the benefit that comes from doing these things. All animals learn through, especially, uh, well, all, well, all mammals and birds learn through play. You can't learn something, especially when you're young, without playing. When you're older, you develop ways to sort of cram information in, but you don't actually learn it until you practice it, and the most efficient form of practice is if you can make it a game. The same holds true with freelancing. You you step into the world of freelancing, you're stepping out of the regimented world. When you're at a job, you've got a boss that's dealing with the finances, that's hiring accountants to keep track of 
um, what's owed. You, they're dealing with the time clocks. They're setting the schedule. They're setting the agenda. They're finding the customers. They're doing the marketing. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is fill a slot. Now, if your slot is in one of those areas, then you won't have trouble generating structure in that area. But unless you're someone whose job is generating all the structures, mm-hmm. you're going to have this period of time where you're floating around and you don't know what the hell to do. The way to manage your workload is that you have to be willing to play at it and fail at it. And you will experiment your way towards finding a method of managing your calendar, of managing your energy, of managing your creative drives that work for you. You can get a lot of ideas about ways to do this by reading books like uh, Drawing from the Right Side of the Brain or... um, or reading reading Stephen Covey's books about uh, prioritization and time management. But in the end, you will have to cobble together something through trial and error that works for you. And it may take several tries over a couple of years for you to figure that out. But it's worth it because not only does doing that allow you to generate your own structure and thus eventually maintain yourself as a freelancer financially and creatively, it also returns an amazing dose of ownership and self-agency to your life that you didn't know you were missing because you were subcontracting it out. But once you bring that stuff in-house, so to speak, you discover that a lot of the other things that stress you out about life become easier to manage because you have a confidence in your ability to roll with things and to make things work on the fly that you simply never did before. Hmm. It's, th- this stuff is on my mind because I'm doing a companion book for the Autodidacts Bible now called uh, The Art of Agency uh, because it, it devolves naturally from a lot of the things I talk about in that first book, which is not yet, but will be soon, I swear. Um, but... Uh, but it's a good time to get this question because I've been thinking a lot about these things explicitly to bring them up to the surface to put them into the book. So thank you very much for the question, Don, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty Nakian, and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2023 J. Daniel Sawyer, and the production is copyright 2023 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, and all other rights are reserved to the author. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat, or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.